Hello, and welcome to a special bonus episode all about the 95th Academy Award nominees. I'm your host, Thomas Mariani, your usual guy on Double Edge Double Bill, but uh, we have a couple people here uh, who are returning guests for the regular show. Uh, we have our guest first, uh, Mel Gore. Mel, welcome back. Hello, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, and who are you wearing? It is such a great outfit. <laughs> um, Old Navy. <laughs> oh, wonderful. I love their designs. And, of course, uh, Emily Slade back on the show. Emily, welcome back to uh, the night where all the stars are not here. Thank you. It's lovely to be here with all the lack of stars. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. Um, so regular listeners might be a bit confused as to like why we're doing this necessarily, but um, if you've listened to me and my guest appearances on other shows, uh, we've done this Oscar discussion, the three of us here, uh, with our buddy Rafe Telsch over on his podcast, Have Not Seen This, and we were originally set up to do it again this year on that podcast, but Rafe had to cancel at the last minute due to some personal concerns in his life, so uh, we decided, like, you know what, we've done all the work. We already like, watched all these movies. Uh, let's go ahead and record uh, this for the Double Edge Double Bill feed, uh, where we're going to basically go through a bunch of the major nominees, talk about the Oscars in general. And we did all this with Rafe's blessing. And Rafe, if you're listening, we hope you're doing good. And we're sorry we couldn't do this with you, as we usually love doing. Yes. It's not going to be the same without you, man. No, it's not. No. And I'll have to soldier on and attempt to be a host of some sort, have some kind of professionalism. Like Rafe, uh, so it's going to go downhill very fast. Uh, and so before we get into the nominees, because basically if you haven't listened to those other things, uh, we're going to go through most of like the major nominees, like screenplays, the performances, animated films, stuff like that. Uh, but uh, in general, um, how do we all feel about the nominees, given we watched most of them at least? I think uh, Mel and I had like a competition in like a little spreadsheet Rafe sent us about who can back up. <laughs> oh God, every time I get this spreadsheet through this time of year, I log on and immediately the Mel and the Thomas columns are like filled up. They are filled up and they just get keep getting filled and it's a race to just try and keep up with you guys. It's, it's insanity. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. An unspoken competition. Like, like we didn't talk <laughs> to each other at all. But yeah, definitely. I'm checking it each day. And I'm just like, oh, oh, he watched that, did he? We'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> My incredible social life, everybody. You can tell how much based on if you look at those spreadsheets. Uh, but I guess, how do you feel about the nominees overall? Emily, we'll start with you. How'd you feel about this year's nominees? Anything, especially compared to like other years? How'd you feel about this crop? It's funny. It's like... There are some categories that I'm just like, I thought everyone here is so well-deserved. And then there are other categories where I'm like, you you just didn't have anything, did you? Like, what? What is this? I've got a lot to say that I'll, I'll keep when we get to those specific categories. But it's, it's a very exciting year, primarily because of that one movie that's bringing a lot of diversity. And then, uh, Mel, what about you? How do you feel about the nominees overall? Um, you know, I think I feel better about them now than I did. Uh, like at the, I, and I don't even really know what I wanted to be on here that isn't. Wait, yeah, I do. 
<laughs> I wanted the Woman King to be on here, and I wanted Nope to be on here uh, mm. for things. Uh, but yeah, that didn't happen. And and certainly some of these I'm going to take to task when we get into them, uh, because I I think there were there were some better deserved titles that should have been listed. Yeah, I think I would largely say that this has been a, a rare year where, like, especially in Best Picture, there's not one that I, like, loathe. They save that for a couple, mm. like, the acting categories and stuff like that, which we will talk about more specifically. But, like, there's no, um, like, last year, like, Don't Look Up for me, where I was just like, what? <laughs> what, what is this bullshit doing in, like, multiple categories? <laughs> like that, like, it, it's few, there, are, there aren't that many of those kind of movies this year, necessarily. Even in terms of, like, I know uh, Rafe on uh, his, like, little mini-sodes that he does talked about, like, oh, why do we have, like, big, like, blockbusters like Top Gun, Maverick, or Avatar nominated? And I think, like, having a bit of that healthy stuff where it's like there's some you know big blockbusters on here but also some like the smaller like indie things like in everything everywhere all at once getting as many sweeps as it has like a very small movie that ended up being incredibly massive and a blockbuster in its own right it grossed over a hundred million dollars like i think that's adds a little bit of an interesting variety to here um but yeah at the same time um the the really big nitpicks are in some of the more specific categories as we'll get to them um and then we gotta bring this up because Everyone else won't shut up about it. So we might as well just bring up the fact that, like, we recorded our last special with Rafe um, right before the last Oscars. And if you remember the last Oscars, there's one thing that people won't shut up about because apparently it's the worst thing anyone in Hollywood has ever done um, (laughs) with the slap drama involving Will Smith and Chris Rock. And, I mean, if you can muster like talking about it because you're still so clearly hurt by it, uh, Mel will start first. Um, has that sort of drama sapped your excitement for watching the actual awards this year? I can't talk about this. The pain is still too near. Uh, <laughs> You're very brave to even. <laughs> <I really appreciate. laughs> you know, okay. The The interesting thing about the slap is that it it set off this enormous conversation, specifically in the black community. Because like, okay. Because like when you watch the footage, Will Smith is laughing at that joke, uh, which is not a great joke, but he still laughed. And then he looks and sees Jada Pinkett and she's not laughing and giving him a, a stare that all men know, not just black men, just men in general know this stare. Uh, and that's the point at which he realigns and then performs and really, when I say performs, performs some masculinity, some toxic masculinity uh, on stage. Uh, I resent that whole affair and it's just, it's so tacky. Uh, But you're absolutely right. It's not even close to the worst thing anyone in Hollywood has ever done. It's like, it wouldn't even be on the list of worst things anyone in Hollywood has ever done. Uh, It's just the fact that it was live and simulcast uh, across 70 nations rich people acting childish uh, just what, what, what do you want who do you want from me I, I i can't get too up in arms about this but i but i do think the conversation it sparked uh was one worthy of having it just said we need to do better uh, as human beings when it comes to this kind of performative masculinity 
I mean, I generally agree, I guess, with, like, that element of it, but at the same time, I just think the the overreaction has tainted any of that conversation for me. Particularly, like, there was the deleted Judd Apatow tweet that I'll forever remember as, like, the moment that dude completely lost me on any level, where he was just like, uh, Will Smith could have killed Chris Rock, and it's like, <laughs> Judd. <laughs> like, that, the thing is, like, what it should have just been, to me, at least, like, the discussion should have pretty much ended with, like, hey, next year, how about we don't have a platform stage it has no stairs to go up like, <laughs> right. that was the biggest problem was that like the stage was like at level with the audience and then after that just like it's it was a really awkward moment like yeah. that's it it's just a really fucking awkward moment that like i've experienced like i don't know at a school cafeteria when i was in high school just like <laughs> bullshit like this just because it happened with like a bunch of rich people on tv doesn't mean that like it has to be a national tragedy and just, right. like it's absurd the like sort of overreaction to it, but uh, Emily, do you have any comments? Are, are you still shaken? <laughs> I'd, for- I'd forgotten it happened. Gonna lie. Oh, you blocked it out. The damage was too much for you, so you repressed the memory. <laughs> for us over here in the UK, it was a news story. It was the like no one was going to be talking about the American puffed up film ceremony across the ocean the only reason we ended up talking about it is because this happened so it was the only newsworthy thing that it got it onto our news otherwise we probably wouldn't have even people didn't even realize the oscars was happening over here mm-hmm. um and what it primarily did over here is sparked especially where i was working it sparked more conversations about alopecia and there's been movements and, and activists coming forward uh, surrounding that topic of conversation uh, that I've seen a lot more. Um, but no, I'd, I'd completely forgotten it happened. I mean, he's banned, right? Because didn't he then, I saw a poster of a movie that he was in and I was like, That's, that, is, that looks so Oscar baity. And I wonder if that was in the can before he did the slap and now he's like, shit. <laughs> Yeah, you're referring to Emancipation, yeah, which was kind yeah. of like in in production around that time, and there was all that controversies too about like, can we even release a Will Smith film after all mm. this happened? Just like, guys, you released Kevin Spacey movies, <laughs> so like, <laughs> come on. I still have to look at the Miramax logo for like, right. so like, I think we're gonna be okay. Yeah, I'm so glad uh, to hear about the. Uh, I'm glad to hear about the alopecia. Dis- discussion that's come up uh, because wouldn't it be terrible if the only thing that came out of this entire ordeal was G.I. Jane 2? Oh, God. Ridley Scott rolling up that they won't make me do a third alien movie. So fuck <laughs> it, I'm doing G.I. Jane 2. <laughs> Give the people what they want. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, oh, all right. Man. Now we're done talking about the slap. We're not going to talk about it anymore. So, you know, Chris Rock will make up for it by doing three more Netflix specials about it in the next, like, ten years about it. So, now, uh, this is kind of like one of my favorite things when we've done this in the past, is, you know, we're going to be talking about some of the major categories in general, but I want to ask everybody how they feel about maybe some of the uh, under-the-line categories, who you want to win, who uh, you think might win, and stuff like that for some of these other awards. And I'll start off here by um, just being brief uh, with one... I saw all the animated shorts this year. I really wanted to go to My Year of Dicks, not just because of the title. I think it's a genuinely great short. It was a solid crop in general of like the animated shorts this year. Um, also, Natu Natu for best original song. I want it. I loved RRR. I wish Indy actually submitted it as an international film. Uh, it's a, such a great fun ride, and that song in particular is amazing. Um, and, you know, um, I'm 
at least more hopeful that say something like the Batman or Elvis wins for best makeup as opposed to the whale. One of many categories where I'm like, let's not go to the whale. But now uh, we'll go over to Emily. Any of the under the line categories you want to shout out? Yeah, I know what you mean about the whale. I found that interesting. And I was like, I get why you're here. But like, come on. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I would like to shout out to Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Oh, God, what's it called? <laughs> Phantom Dread uh, for costume. Anything that has big designers in it uh, often really comes into its own in costumes. And this is just dripping with Dior and it's gorgeous. And the dress in itself is just breathtaking. Um, so big shout out to that. And Mel? I saw all of the the animated and live action shorts uh, as well to this year. And I, huh, I loved my year of dicks so much. <laughs> I, I was not expecting that at all. I had no idea what I was getting into. Uh, but whenever that, like the bit, like a disclaimer comes up on screen and it, and it's like <laughs> the following short might not be suitable for people. So if you, if you got kids and you want to bail, maybe now is the time to do that. Uh, <laughs> and as soon as I saw that, I was like, Ooh, this is going to be good. I, I'm like that Michael Jackson <laughs> meme. I'm just <laughs> popcorn shoveling into my yes. mouth. Very ready. Uh, yeah. I, I, I love that. It, it, I don't know. It reached something like in me uh, that I thought honestly had like atrophied a little bit. Like this last year uh, has been kind of kind of tricky because, uh, like, I, you know, I watched so many films and there is a bit of a danger when you watch too many movies that it becomes harder to impress you, um, which I think is what happens to a lot of critics. Um but yeah, yeah, my year of dicks really was just like, oh, I haven't, I haven't, like, like this part of me hasn't been reached by something in a while. Uh, and that felt really good. So I, I hope that takes it. And if that doesn't take it, then I hope it's uh, Ice Merchants uh, because, wow, that, yeah. that's not, <laughs> for hats, man. It's amazing <laughs> what a couple of hats will do to the, to the, the whole heartstrings. For sure, for sure. That's also my like second. On that. Mm-hmm. But, all right, let's go into the actual awards, and we're going with uh, what Rafe would usually put on the list here. So we're going to go adapted screenplay, original screenplay, animated film, supporting actor, supporting actress, best actor, best actress, director, and then picture. Um, and we'll go as we go along. We'll talk about the nominees, and we'll say like who we think might win, who we think will win, depending. You know, it's all on the individual commentators. Uh, you know, a discretion. But uh, let's go ahead and start off then with Best Adapted Screenplay, where uh, I'll list the nominees here. You've got All Quiet on the Western Front, Glass Onion and Knives Out Story, Living, Top Gun Maverick, and Women Talking. So we'll start off first with, uh, speaking of women talking, Emily. God. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the best, best thing ever. Am I crazy? Um, or... Because I was going to say, I've not read any of the things that these things have been adapted from. However, like, can, can it be justified that Glass Onion and Top Gun are just adapted from a previous movie? That is the tradition, is that, like, sequels are considered adapted because they're technically, like, based on earlier works. Because I think, okay. like, you know, like, t- with Top Gun Maverick, it's, like, different screenwriters wrote the original Top Gun and stuff like that. It's, so, like, based on the characters. Right. Yeah. Okay, I think that's a stretch, but okay, that's fine. I enjoyed both of those movies, so I'll, I'll allow them to be here. Um, it was like, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. <laughs> um, I 
adored women talking and it's not up for much uh which is a shame like I feel like best support best actress should be riddled with all of these people but it's not for some reason and so it gets to be here and like I think one other place but I again I, I don't know what the novel is like but just I, I I came to watch women talk and women talked at me and I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it it's not false advertising the women talked exactly it does what it says on the tin and it, I just it felt it felt um I mean I'm surprised the whale's not on here because that was a, a, a play um, right. And you can you can tell it's a play, whereas women talking, I don't know. I felt it translated to screen. Sometimes it's really so. Like God of Carnage became Carnage a few years back, and it, you can tell it's a play. Whereas here, I know it's not a play; it's a novel, but it felt quite play like. Do you know what I'm saying? I just really enjoyed women talking. So I personally would like to see women talking take it, just because the amount of women on screen talking. Um, I I think Glass Onions in for a shot because they're trying to do that like very popular things get noticed this year. Um, but I would put my money on All Quiet on the Western Front. I'm going to say it now, and this is how I feel about this movie. It's phenomenal. It's a masterpiece. It's majestic. Did I enjoy it? No. It's harrowing. It's very hard watch, All Quiet on the Western Front. But as an adaptation, I, I think it's brilliant. What are you talking about? A fun World War One romp that we love? People in the <laughs> trenches having fun together? Come on. What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> Everything uh, worked all right. out. <laughs> right? Everything worked out. Everything's fine. No repercussions from it. There's like a sequel <laughs> or anything. Uh, but Mel, what about your thoughts on Best Adapted Screenplay? Um. Okay. Now, I don't know if I want to dive into this right now there may not be another opportunity uh, to dive up to it because as emily said women talking isn't up for a lot uh but i have been just like hiding under my desk ever since i saw it because i have a minority opinion about that that film and, and i'm just i'm just i'm being really careful about where i share that opinion uh so uh yeah i'm not i'm, I'm not really and to jump into the crosshairs. Uh, I will say this. I do hope Women Talking wins for uh, Adaptive Screenplay because I feel like of all the movies listed there, I feel like that one just kind of leans on its screenplay. Like, I, I like performances aside, I feel like the, the, the screenplay is what really shines through uh, uh, in that. Uh, whereas the, the other films in the category kind of have these kind of other trappings that you can kind of glom onto. Um, but my my problem, my problem with women talking, oh my God, here I go. Oh wait, hang on, I should back up. Let me preface this. I agree with everything said in the movie. Uh it's it's a it's a crucial conversation that needs to be had uh and it's timely and I'm glad uh that that it's out there. It was interesting to me that when I went to see it, there were no women in the audience. Uh it was only men, um, but you know, good for them for showing up. Uh, but my my problem with the dialogue at times uh, was that it did not feel to me like the the thoughts and opinions of isolated, super religious, ultra conservative women. Like uh, a, a lot of the talking points felt very, very. 21st century very uh even though it doesn't take place in 2010 but you know uh it it felt very first world uh very 
left-leaning liberal blogger kind of uh, kind of dialogue. It, and I was at odds with it at times. I agree with everything said. It didn't seem like the kind of things that would come from from those women. Yeah, am I, I can, I can understand that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I thought, like, am I horrible? <laughs> yeah, you're off the hook. You're fine. You're fine. That is that is a perfectly valid valid point to make. I think, yeah, I didn't really think about it at the time, um, and I don't know enough about those types of communities to say whether it's accurate or not. But I can completely think that, yeah, actually, like it, it's almost a bit too worldly sometimes. As you say, they're they're almost more mouthpieces for wider ideas than characters div- giving their opinions. I guess. Indeed, thank you. Uh, uh, that being said, uh, how do I eject Mel from the Zoom again? <laughs> <I'm trying> to... <laughs> We're carrying on with just the two of you. <laughs> Mel, thanks for having me. <laughs> Mel had sudden computer issues and had to go back to his home planet. I'm sorry, everybody. I do hope. I do hope it wins, though. I, 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 I really do. Uh, I, oh boy. <laughs> you don't. You like. You really. You really don't have to apologize. <laughs> yeah, you don't. No, it's all. It's all good. Completely valid opinion to have. It's it's a right. shame that we've reached a point that Ghostbusters twenty sixteen has made it like if you don't like the movie with women in it, you're a sexist. Oh my god! Like that's only sometimes true. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. Um, but did you have any thoughts on the other nominees or anything? Um, All Quiet on the Western Front. The I rewatched the original, uh, and and this may come up later too so uh, i'll i'll talk about that in detail uh when when we come to it but yeah all quiet on the western front is is fantastic um i and i'm going to oh boy i'm going to get my my movie viewer card revoked uh if that's even a thing i've never seen ikiru uh which living is adapted from uh so i cannot compare the two but i will say that i did enjoy living uh, uh immensely i'm saving top gun uh i'm saving top gun for other things but but yeah if it's not going to be women talking uh i want it to be all quiet on the western front if not all quiet then living even though i have nothing to compare it to yeah i think uh i think it's an interesting crop here for sure um i personally really liked women talking therefore i am a friend to all feminists. And- Ooh, <laughs> <wow>. <laughs> uh, no, no. fired. Slaps handed. <laughs> I'm a good one, everybody. <laughs> but no, no. no um, but no, I mean, I just, I love Sarah Polly in general. I think she's a very underrated filmmaker, um, particularly with Stories We Tell is like one of my favorite movies of last decade. I think she's a tremendous filmmaker as much as she was like a great actress prior to that. Um, and I think it seems like the odds are on her winning for Women Talking. Um, but with the other ones, I'll say that I think All Quiet on the Western Front and Living both kind of suffered from the same problem for me, where in anticipation, I did watch the original films, and I will say those two kind of suffered in comparison, which I think might not necessarily be as fair. But I think particularly with, like, Ikiru um, versus Living, like, it is near, like, there are certain sequences that are, like, shot for shot very similar to a degree that I'm just like, I don't know why this even needed to exist necessarily. Hot take, Akira Kurosawa makes a good movie. Um, I don't know if y'all knew that, um, but, um, but I mean, uh, at the same time, like, I, I found Glass Onion fun. And then Top Gun, I'll at least speak here where this is the weirdest nomination, I would say, to me, even more than Best Picture, because I think it is definitely, like, it's a movie riddled with, like, sort of the cliches and everything that we kind of usually criticize about movies like this. But mm-hmm. at the same time, the magic of Top Gun Maverick for me 
is that even with all of those, like, the cliches, sort of, like, military propaganda element of it, a lot of, like, the Tom Cruise vanity that's there, at the same time, like, that movie makes me kind of like the John Hamm character, where I'm just like, oh, Maverick, what are you doing? I need to get you out of here. You're off the force. What are you doing? And then by the end of it, I'm just like, God damn it, Maverick, you son of a bitch. You got me. Go fly. Like, it, it's it's rousing enough to where I'm just like, you know, I can forgive the cliches. And even that Aaron Kruger, screenwriter of three Transformers movies, is now an Oscar nominee for this fucking movie. So you know what? Go go forward, Maverick. But um, yeah, I'm still, my bet is on women talking. And I'd also be fine with it winning of all of these. Um, but... Now let's go to original screenplay, where we've got The Banshees of Inisherin, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, and Triangle of Sadness. So, Mel, you're starting us off with your thoughts on the original screenplays. Okay. Um, before we launch into that, let me really quickly say that I think, even though it's not there for Adapted, I think uh, Wakanda Forever should have gotten uh, a Best Adapted nod, simply because they were up against an impossible mm. hurdle. Uh, with that, I mean, a couple impossible hurdles. Uh, yes. If you think about it, with that particular production, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> um, okay, you have to give it to everything, everywhere, all at once. I think it's so far above and beyond uh, everything else in the category. Uh, that that might be hyperbolic, uh, but yeah, it's just it's so ambitious and so wild and original. Uh, and it's it, it manages to do in two hours what Marvel has not been able to accomplish in like the last year and a half of their slate. Like it told a better multiverse film in a fraction of the time uh, that resonated uh, stronger emotionally, uh, more universal in its themes. Yeah, that was really fantastic. Um, if it's not going to be EEAO, uh, then. I would give it to, uh, to Tar. I loved Tar. Uh, Tar was the first movie I saw uh, where I was just like, oh, there's a Best Picture nominee right there. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that, that was that was glorious. Just a, a movie that just does not give a shit if you're following <laughs> the conversations. I like a, a number of the conversations uh, that are going on. Like if you just don't have a background uh, in in composition, like in in music, uh, then then it it can just, especially that first scene, that opening scene, really can't just leave you in the dust. But I, I think I love it for that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, E E A O or Tar. I would also agree that I think my favorite, and I think the odds-on favorite, based on like Gold Derby and sites like that, seems to be Everything Came Everywhere All at Once. And I get it. And I think particularly, like, it's the same reason I think that that's definitely going to win. Also, Best Editing. It's just the fact that it's able to really combine all these different stories and like edit between them and like, or in the actual screenplay, like move between them so wonderfully to where you get like a sense of like emotional investment in like hot dog fingers side plot and <laughs> raccoon cooey and shit like that. Where you're, like, even though you see like three scenes of like each of those things, mm. you still get kind of swept up in the emotion of it. And I think uh, there's a beautiful job of all that while being like this big, silly romp. It also has a lot of emotional investment to it. Um, and I agree with you with tar. Tar is like, very interesting to me in terms of, it's a movie that, like, shifts genres on a whim sometimes, where it's, like, you know, Oscar-y drama, and then it turns into, like, a horror movie for a second, and, like, no, this all fits <laughs> of a piece, um, with that, like, that and all the comedy elements that are there as well, it's a very pithy, kind of, like, fun comedy at the same time, it's all these other, like, upsetting weird things, <laughs> um, I want to stick up for the Fablemans a bit, because I saw a lot of people kind of 
brushing back on this because like, oh, Steven Spielberg's movie about his childhood and stuff like that, how like much of like a, you know, original screenplay is that necessarily? And I think like the Fablemans did an interesting thing for me where I, as much as I love Spielberg, I was kind of worried like, is this just going to be like a movies are magic thing? And while I was watching it, I just realized like, oh no, this is a movie that like, it acknowledges like movies are magic, but in the sense that like, it can be like a good magic or like a dark magic that completely separates you from your family, which I found <laughs> so refreshing, especially for like one of these movies about like the magic of cinema that usually the Oscars would award and praise. Yeah, I would still say Everything Everyone Wants is the odds-on favorite, though I would also be fine with Banshees. Banshees mm-hmm. has such a weird, like, fascinating kind of like, almost fable-like quality to it. Uh, mm-hmm. Not to discount the Fablemans um, that like I really love about it, um, and the only one I have like any issue with really is Triangle of Sadness, which I thought was fun, but the satire, especially for like the year of let's eat the rich, um, I would kind of prefer like say a glass onion in that yes. regard as opposed to like it kind of like lays it on thick, and it, it's obviously winning this just for like the c- centerpiece scene with Woody Harrelson which is really oh. fun in that movie. That's like the highlight of the whole movie, but it's like kind of like the middle point where it peaks and then before and after it, it's still like good, but not nearly as interesting as it wants to be. But Emily, your thoughts. It really is tough this year. There's like, I'm looking at, I've only seen three of these, but all three of them, I'm just like, yes. And then you remind me that the other one exists and I'm like, oh yes, that one. Like <laughs> I, it, so everything everywhere all at once should and hopefully will take it. It's, a masterpiece like I truly truly mean that in every sense of that word uh, it's phenomenal film ah oh, my god I got like a quarter to nine in the evening showing in some independent backhouse cinema in Norwich and um there's like two other people in the screening and I was blown away two and a half hours and I'd watched Avatar that earlier that week and spent the third act being like kill me kill me when's it gonna end <laughs> this ended <laughs> i was like more give me more no i'm not leaving i want more give me more i need to know i need to know what happens next what what, what who, what's what like i was so invested in tar and i just i was watching it and i was like oh my god this is what they mean when they mean like best director best screenplay best cinematography i was just like this is fucking film um <laughs> and then saying that the banshees of inishirin i i don't think i expected to i've always loved mcdonald's work but I, I don't think i expected to enjoy the banshees as much as i did and uh, he took the bafta in this category and i mean all of them to just completely come up with these huge concepts and transform them into the screenplays that we then see before us it's guys i just love cinema so much um i i want everything <laughs> everywhere all at once to win it but i am so blown away by 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 the all the ones that i've seen in this category well let's move on here to best animated film uh where we've got Guillermo del toro's pinocchio marcella Shiela's shoes on puss in boots the last wish the Sea Beast and Turning Red. And this is a really solid category for me. Like even my least favorite would probably be Puss in Boots on this list, but that was still like such an amazing surprise. <laughs> I liked it a lot. I liked it quite a bit. Emily has opinions. <laughs> well, we'll get, well, you'll have your chance. Emily, don't worry. Uh, but I still at the same time really enjoyed that movie quite a bit. And I was like so surprised by it. Um, I, I think all these have some kind of like real 
power to them and like really good use of animation, varying different. I, I love seeing especially just a couple stop motions. Based on what's been going on with the season, Pinocchio's probably going to win it. It's been sweeping like a bunch of the animated uh, categories, but my heart is with Marcel the Shell. I Aww. love Marcel the Shell so much. I That was one of my favorite movies regardless of animation or not. Um, and I was like so touched by it. Um, I would hope it like pulls like a sudden sweep, just like no, it's it's winning. But at the same time, I would not be against like any of these, even when even you know like Puss in Boots or Sea Beast, which I thought were really fun and really enjoyable. Um, I still would that not be incredibly dismissive, like say like when Brave won amongst like Paranorman and Wreck It Ralph and stuff. Uh, like, like no, you there's not there's nothing like that for me. Yeah, season. no, <laughs> not happy about that. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> And I love Brave, but it should not have won that year. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, for sure. But Emily, you have the floor. <laughs> <laughs> um, I agree that there's not a there's not a dud here at all. Um, I have to say though, I I do have feelings about it because um, Turning Red was phenomenal. I, I loved it. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. It was such a joy to watch. Uh, so nostalgic for someone that grew up in the early two thousands to be able to see that. Uh, the Sea Beast is such an important conversation. It is How to Train Your Dragon with sea monsters, but like it, then there's that additional filter and layer of the like anti colonialist. Uh, conversation that happens around it and it's, it's it's it was a real surprise and it was really really I was so pleased to see it before me Marcel the Shell with Shusan I didn't know anything about little Marcel before this year which is the sh- <laughs> which, which is crazy because I love Jenny Slate I adore Jenny Slate so much um I'm so pleased that it's here and I saw it and I cried so much had this little shell with a giggly eye. It changed my life and I adore it. The trouble is, though, Puss in Boots did not need to go that hard. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Do we remember the first Puss in Boots movie? Which I love. I think it's very funny and very good and very enjoyable. This has, I know a lot of people have been saying it online, but Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse has sort of given permission for these animators to utilize the medium of animation in a way that we've not seen properly in in ages. And the way that they would like move through scenes, the way that they would go and that it was like shot beautifully, the character designs were so interesting, the voice casts were phenomenal. Any other year, this would be a hands down, like, obviously it goes to Puss in Boots. And then what would happen is everyone would go, oh, Puss in Boots, what are you talking about? And then you'd be like, go and watch it. And then they'd be like, wow, that was amazing. However, Guillermo del Toro did not take like seven to 15 years of his life to make me cry when I just, I'm going to do it. I'm going to cry on cue just thinking about this movie. Ewan McGregor's little voice. (laughs) <laughs> oh god it's so, it's so good it's so emotional i mean he said when he accepted the bafta he was like thank you for helping me make my anti-fascist um war based pinocchio movie where everybody dies at the end like like thank god this man is still given the freedom that he is and it's a testament to the medium it's a te- every voice actor is amazing it's a t- in musical um it's so sad <laughs> this and banshees had moments where i had to pause to like weep and then resume um 
it has it has to go to Pinocchio. It has to, otherwise it's like a crime. <laughs> yeah. Um and I mean also shout out while you were talking about Puss in Boots. Um this year DreamWorks really kind of came back with a vengeance in, the, in terms of the animation with like that and also the bad guys, which wasn't nominated here, but I think it's a very underrated, like fun, sort of like lively in a similar spirit. I would recommend anybody if you liked Puss in Boots, also see the bad guys. Agreed. Very enjoyable. Yeah, that was that was a solid outing. Uh, but what about you, Mel? Your thoughts on the animated category? Um, man, animation is my that's my wheelhouse. Uh, so I'll try to keep this as concise as possible, and not go off. Um, okay. When I saw Turning Red, Turning okay, first of all, Turning Red should have been in theaters. What the fuck? Uh, whenever I saw Turning Red, I I immediately went to Twitter uh, and said because because like people were. Like I waited like a day to see it. So people were already like talking about it. They were already kind of, some people were dumping on it uh, unnecessarily. But I said, the deal with Turning Red is the Venn diagram of people who hate Turning Red and have healthy relationships with their mothers is a circle. <laughs> Like, I think that was the deciding factor. If you if you ever ran afoul of your parents growing up, b just because of who you are, I think I think turning red is a movie for you. Uh, it, I am I am not a teenage girl and I am was not into boy bands in the 90s, early aughts. Uh, but turning red spoke to me just as someone who has lived their entire life at odds with their parents. It's top tier Pixar. It's finding Nemo up caliber Pixar. It's not gonna, it's not gonna win, I don't think, sadly, uh, but I want it to. Here's what I want from the CDs. I want more of these uh, because I don't think this one deserves to win, but I love the world that the the film is set in. I, I love that world so much that I want them to keep making more films set in this universe, and I want them to pull a Return of the King where two years from now they'll win. Um, but, like, yeah, I come back with more adventures uh, from the from the Sea Beast universe. Uh, Puss in Boots. I thought, yeah, Puss in Boots, just, it, really, it really goes way harder than anything like, needs to. And absolutely, Emily, yes, shout out to Spider-Verse. I feel like whenever Spider-Verse came out, there were animators who who just said, wait, we can do, we're allowed to do that. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, and also at the same time, I know that there are animators out there who've always wanted to do stuff like this, but it's it's your higher-ups who are kind of crushing that creativity. Especially at DreamWorks, where it's like you have to just have to raise an eyebrow in a snarky attitude. That's all you can do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I I thought push in boots push pu push push in boots. Wow, listen to that. I thought push in boots was just so so dynamic and so moving. And every character gets an arc. Uh, that's it's such such efficient storytelling. Um, and you know what they called him? The, the big bad wolf was that his name or Lobo? Uh, the, what I believe it's just death. Death. Okay. Just death. Because, <laughs> <it's> death. <laughs> That's fair. I I haven't loved an animated villain like and he's not he's villain isn't even really the term uh, uh, for him. He's your antagonist. Uh, he's the thing that that is diametrically opposed to the protagonist gaining whatever they're after. Um, uh, because like Jack Horner is technically your villain, uh, but 
I, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought, I thought death was just magnificent. Can we have a, can, can he get his own movie? (laughs) (laughs) Send him, send him through the Shrek cinematic universe and trying to kill (laughs) off other characters. Um, Let's see. Um, Marcel, I, oh my, I adore Marcel the shell. Uh, and yeah, yeah, you're 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 crying like literally minutes into the film. Like it, it does, it pulls no punches. It doesn't even wait. Uh, it's it's like we're not going to save the big tear jerkers for the end. We're just like just cry, just cry throughout. Um, I loved it. I love the shorts so much, and it was nice to kind of see uh, uh, some of the material from the shorts does make it into the feature. Uh, some of the some of the gags. Um, it's it's so adorable. I felt kind of like I might have been watching it with a crowd of people who didn't really know what to make of it because like I'm, a, I'm just over here going through just a myriad of emotions i think pinocchio is gonna win just because of the ridiculous amount of effort that that goes into making something like this i, I, I kind of feel like you just have to shout it out for mm-hmm. just being so hard to to, to make and it, and it's also it has the benefit of being fantastic. It, it's so I love that Guillermo del Toro's like here he's done this before and he'll do it again. He's like here here's a lovely fairy tale with fascist <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. undertones, not even undertones, the overt <laughs> just it's not subtext, it's text at this point. Uh, like Mussolini is literally in the film. <laughs> it's creepy looking at times but but undeniably beautiful uh which is which is a difficult balance to strike or can be a difficult balance to strike uh and he nails it please make at the mountains of madness someday guillermo uh but uh so yeah so it's i think it's gonna go go to pinocchio i would want it to go to turning red well now we're moving on here to best supporting actor uh where we've got brennan gleason for the banshees of inishirin Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans, Barry Keoghan for The Banshees of Inishirin as well, and Kihu Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Emily, you're starting us off here. Kihu Kwan. Thank you. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> like, for realsies, like, he's got to take it. And this is someone who now, because it was posted on Twitter a lot, that one scene with Barry Keoghan, uh, where he's like, do you ever think you could love a girl like me? I can't do an Irish accent, but uh, you, you know the one I'm talking about, the one that they're going to oh, yeah. show when it's like, very cute, and it'll show that little scene. And, um, and it's heartbreaking, and I only have to see his stupid little face on the screen now, and I cry because his performance is so compelling, and he's got his fun little um, X Factor backstory as well. But um, like, like no doubt about it, I've I've followed him for a while now. I've seen him crop up in so many things and always been like, that i always found myself back to his wikipedia page and so it's wonderful to within a year it's like when we all went to see winter's bone and we were like who's this chick she's cool and then a year <laughs> later we got the hunger games and everyone was like j-lo 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 like it feels very like that but um it's got to go to women twang like he's just i just know i need to see his speech i need a, i need another hit of his speeches because they get they're getting me through the year his little exception speeches. So, yes, please. Thank you. All right, then, Mel. Yeah, it's short round, man. Short round's going to take it. And <laughs> I'll say, on top of that, uh, can we? Can can he come back? Can he be 
adult short round in in a, a, an Indiana Jones spinoff where the idea is him as you know a world traveling archaeologist and adventurer, but he's going around stealing back artifacts that colonizers have taken. Uh, in oh my to the god! Who can we do that? Can I have that? Is that unreasonable? <laughs> I'll allow it. I want that. <laughs> I mean, Ellie's the one who's in charge of the Indiana Jones franchise. So yes, it's greenlit. Everybody, it's happening. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I want, I want him to take it uh, so much. And 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 you know the scene they're going to show. You know, like in in another life, I would have been perfectly happy doing laundry and taxes with you. Because mm. fuck, <laughs> if not Quan, then uh, I love Barry Keegan. Uh, I have loved Barry. I don't. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I've been pronouncing it Keegan. Um, um, I I love him since. Uh, I don't even remember what the first thing I saw him in was, but I was just like, this guy is weird and wonderful. Mm. Uh, Barry Keegan is like Paul Dano. Whenever his name shows up in something, you're just like, oh, some shit's gonna go down. Yeah. <laughs> like you can <laughs> you can count on him. Like like I saw when I saw Barry Keegan's name in the Green Knight, I'm just like, oh shit. <laughs> like, yeah. here, here we go. Here we go. Um, so yeah, I, I want it to be him. That scene, oh, that scene on the river. Uh, uh, I, I'm not from the UK. Is that is was that the river? Was that the ocean? Yeah, know. yeah. It's a, it's I don't know. It's like a in a stretch of water on the bank. <laughs> right, <laughs> that will work. <laughs> um, yeah, that scene it, it reaches right in and, and and tears you apart. Um, but I but I think it should go to Kwan because I I I feel like Keegan has. He has moments in uh, in Banshees of Inishirin, uh, but but Quan is just that guy shows up for the the full duration. Like every scene he's in, he owns. Uh, um, I don't even need to talk about the other people. Uh, <laughs> like they're, they're great, they're great, but Quan Keegan. Um. Well, yeah. Uh, I'll I'll at least talk about the other people because I mean I agree with you guys about. Quan is likely to win, and I hope it's deserved. I think it's, it's it's been an amazing journey seeing him go all this way. If nothing else, to see him win an Oscar in front of Steven Spielberg, I think would be like a heartwarming, beautiful moment. As it has been like him, like the two of them interacting on the awards circuit, or him and Harrison Ford, mm-hmm. uh, like D twenty three or something like that, reuniting. Like that's all been very nice, and it's also just a genuinely great performance, especially even like the physical dexterity of it, not even just the actual acting, mm-hmm. but like when he goes ham with that fucking fanny pack. Oh, he really seems believable. It really works. What a um, big tip. <laughs> that, sh- that should be the Oscar clip. That would be the best twist. Yeah. Like, that's the fucking clip. <laughs> um, and Keoghan's great. I mean, ever since my first thing was, I believe, Killing of a Sacred Deer was first. Oh. Like, Who the fuck is this kid? Yes. He's amazing in this. Yeah. Um, but I'll say with the other three, um, the Fablemans is like a smorgasbord of best supporting actor potential nominees for me because Dano, I, that was my favorite. I loved mm-hmm. him so much in that. Seth Rogen's very good in it. Even David Lynch for his one scene is amazing. <laughs> That's not the um, best scene. <laughs> oh my God. So good. So good. Uh, but Hirsch, at the same time, very good for his one scene, like a tremendous little like moment in the middle of the movie that like really works for it in terms of just like getting the Spielberg surrogate on his way back to, uh, you know, doing stuff with film. Um, but then uh, I will say Brian Tyree Henry's a great actor. I'm happy to see him nominated Causeway. I thought it was a surprisingly solid, like little indie uh, movie that I'm glad was nominated. I would say over maybe another one of these small indies that's nominated. Put a pin in that. 
for mm. um, a certain category <laughs> we'll mm. get into. Um, but I thought he was tremendous, in it, and he's always been tremendous, especially like the pool scene in Causeway is, I think, a perfect display mm-hmm. of his acting ability. Um, and then it's so weird this is the first time Brendan Gleeson's been nominated for an Oscar. Like, one of the great consummate character actor guys, just been working for years, and I think he is tremendous in that movie. It's kind of arguable that he might be like a co-lead with Farrell, Mm-hmm. You might argue, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I think he like really does a great job of like supporting like the two of their journeys, like sort of paralleling each other. Is so wonderful. Nothing else. A dude being so calm while spoilers having cut off his fingers is like <laughs> that takes tremendous acting talent. Um, but but yeah, at the same time, Quan's gonna sweep it, and we're all happy for him. But now we've got best supporting actress. So we've got Angela Bassett for Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, uh, Hong Chow for The Whale. Carrie Condon for Banshees of Inishirin, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Stephanie Sue for Everything Everywhere All at Once. So, Mel, you're starting us off with this one. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> boy, Jamie Lee, Jamie Lee Curtis? Uh, amazing. Just uh, absolutely I don't. I don't know how you... I mean, everybody, not just her, everybody in that movie has to bounce back and forth like just like ping pong balls uh, between just personifying all these different roles and requirements. I wanted to go to Jamie Lee Curtis, but just because so much is asked of her and she delivers at every turn. Um, I, I, I think, I think she's fantastic. I thought Angela, Angela Bassett's not in Wakanda forever much, uh, but honestly she has my favorite scenes, uh, in that movie. Like I, I love when she, she faces off against the, the UN uh, uh, at the beginning. I love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like like all of that. Um, that that movie that movie is all hard. Uh, it's uh, and it's and it's a shame. Spoilers. She's she's gone now, which is which is sad. So like we're not going to see her again unless it's like flashbacks or, or whatever. Uh, so you know you know a, a great turn for her. Uh, Hong Chao for uh, the whale. That's a great kind of understated performance sometimes we get away from that like 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 true acting isn't yelling uh, every, everything um it's it's not about it's not a marriage story uh where the objective <laughs> is to just scream your feelings um i so i i really like that and and to that effect i would say the same thing about carrie condon um she is the heart and the glue uh yeah uh that holds everything together in Banshees of Inisherin, which makes sense when she leaves, it really all comes apart. Like it just, mm-hmm. it goes to shit in her absence. Um, uh, goes to shit thematically uh, and uh, not like, not like that movie gets bad. Uh, Stephanie Sue. Oh, oh, I God, I, I cried like a baby. Because I, I think I think for the same reason of turning red, this is another movie about mm-hmm. I've got a parent who is just not on the same page uh, mm-hmm. that I am. So that that like strikes somewhere deep in my core. Uh, and yeah, she's she's just up there on screen, and I'm following along, just like yep, 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 yep. I'm 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 right there with you. Uh, Oh God! Did I pick someone? I don't think I did. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna pick someone. Which reminds me, have we ever gone back to our previous episodes uh, to check and see how close we've come to getting? Yeah. Right? 
I, I did actually re-listen to them in the lead-up to this, and I think it's like, we were mostly accurate except for the ones that blew. Like, I remember the first year we did, where we were just like, oh yeah, Chadwick Boseman's gonna win that. And we're, no one, oh, <laughs> and, and of course all the infamy happened with that, <laughs> and all other stuff. Uh, but we've mostly been, I think, pretty accurate in our predictions. Um, so, uh, I'm going next, and... I want to stick up a bit for Jamie Lee Curtis because I feel like she, ever since the nomination, she's been getting a lot of, like, crap thrown at her for that. It feels yeah. like, oh, it's just, like, a, a career nomination and all this other stuff. I think she's personally my, you know, she's not my favorite of these, but I think she's really fun in game in that movie. She's not the best performance out of any of them. I agree that I think Sue is the better performer, mm-hmm. I think, out of any of them in this, particularly with how she's able to strike all of those different characters in a similar vein to Curtis, but, like, so many more and also handle, like, the two diametric opposites of, like, the Joe Jujubaki versus Joy, I think it's like such a tremendous. And if nothing else, I hope like her and Quan and honestly a lot of the people that think ever all, all at once. I hope this isn't like a fluke for Hollywood, and these people keep getting work because Sue has been talking about that especially how she feels just like oh I don't want to like have this be my one shot and then I never like I, I disappear into the ether because she's an amazing actress especially that she's like came out of nowhere in that movie and is so tremendous, um, but. It feels like the two that are sort of favored are Bassett and Carrie Condon. Um, it feels like they've kind of been trading off on like who might win over the course of this. And I think they're both really tremendous performances. And nothing else, Bassett, I think that's the example where like um, the career Oscar, I think, is deserved because it's an incredible performance. And also, it's Angela Bassett. Like the, My first thing out of Wakanda Forever is just like the best special effect in this movie is her arms. As per usual, <laughs> tremendous arms, amazing arms throughout her whole career. Those arms need to hold an Oscar at some point. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it being for this necessarily. I think she handles especially that the kind of like the confusion and turmoil of Wakanda Forever so beautifully. And uh, like the UN scene, I agree with you and all this other stuff. Uh, I think if it goes to her, I would not be against it whatsoever. Uh, but at the same time, I do agree that Condon is sort of the heart of that movie. And I think else, a win for Condon, also a win for Jenny the Donkey snubbed from this category. <laughs> Jenny the Donkey should have been in contention. It's such a most heartbreaking performance of this year. Oh my god. Yes, true. Very oh. true. Um, and then, you know, Hong Chao is a very good actress. Um, I would have preferred her being nominated for the, you know, the menu. I was gonna say that. Mm, yes. <laughs> these, yes. These are tortillas. Is like one of the <laughs> of the year. Uh, but, but, but Emily, your thoughts on Best Supporting Actress? Yeah, I was going to say exactly the same. Hong Chao should be on here for the menu. But you're also absolutely right in that it's like a it's a very understated performance and that deserves respect. Because um, that's all the whale is, is it? It's just, it's just acting. And yeah, Angela Bassett was the... I have to say, I, it was a struggle to get through Wakanda Forever. Um, I find it very long. And Angela Bassett was like a shining light. And so the second they pulled her out of that pool, I was like, no. Nah. Mm-hmm. Oh god, just like an hour and a half left. Oh god, um, Harry Condon, uh, she took the BAFTA hilariously. Did you guys hear about what happened? Because the guy from Coda came and announced the best supporting actress at the BAFTAs, and as he was signing it, his interpreter thought Carrie was Carrie, so they announced Carrie Mulligan, who made her way to the stage. Oh. I did not. I didn't know that. They saved it with Kerry Condon, who then accepted it. It was very funny, very strange. There was a slight delay, so that it was announced twice for us watching at home because they were able to dub over 
but you could tell that there was like a, a the vibe was off in the in the in the festival hall. Very funny. Um, which should have been made more of. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got to have your own moonlight moment. Yeah, we had a moonlight moment. Did, did Mulligan go up on stage like, no, no, this is Carrie Condon. You won. Carrie Condon, you won. Carrie, it's yours. Come back. It was very um, all very like tried to yeah it was very disappointingly um not dramatic yeah i mean i pretty much agree with with all of you i wouldn't i wouldn't be sad if angela bassett took it she's phenomenal um gary condon very well deserved and the two everything everywhere all at once ladies again just completely agree with everything you've said about their performances i'd be happy with anyone to be honest Uh, i really i don't think anyone's not deserved to be here and angela bassett's arms uh have been on display Ever since Strange Days, <laughs> so yeah, it's, strange time, days. Fuck yeah. <laughs> it's time to give them their due. And also, uh, I she was always my pick to play Storm when oh. like way way back True. before yes. the first X Men movie came out. Uh, I was just like, yeah, give Storm to Angela Bassett; mm. she can do it. So I feel like I feel like she's owed <laughs> in, in the in the comic book movie universe. She's owed. <laughs> But now we've got Best Actor in a lead role, uh, where our nominees are Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell for Banshees of Inishirin, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Paul Mescal for After Sun, and Bill Nye for Living. Um, it feels like the big sort of uh, awards push has been around The Whale of it all, as well as like Elvis. Those two like sort of like the main two. It, it might go to Fraser, and you know. I love Brendan Fraser. I'm glad he's getting his comeback. I'm so happy for him. And I think he is trying his hardest in The Whale to put like some kind of empathy into that character. Because Darren Aronofsky is not doing that. At the same time, <laughs> he's being very mawkish about what it is. Because it just feels like, oh no, we have empathy for this guy. Look at this fat freak, everybody. Yeah. Like that, that movie I have so many massive issues with. I really loathe mm-hmm. The Whale in general. If it goes to him, I'm not against it necessarily. You no, know, I'll just imagine that if he has an Oscar with The Whale on it, it's uh, I'm, my headcanon is that it's Best Supporting Actor for playing The Whale in Avatar The Way of Water. Yeah, uh, otherwise, though, I, my favorite here is Feral. I love him so much. And he had such a great year. With, like, you know, Batman and after Yang and this. He's such a tremendous actor, and I'm glad that, like, he should have had that comeback, like, post in Bruges. And it feels yes. like it's finally kind of coming home to roost mm-hmm. with uh, Banshees. I would love it if maybe it's a split between him and uh, between Brendan Fraser and Butler with the votes, and he ends up getting it <laughs> kind of thing. I would be so on board with that. But um, at the same time, I think all these nominees are pretty good. Um, Elvis, I think it's a tremendous performance, especially of, like, that version of Elvis they're trying to display, which is Colonel Parker's dying ramblings of who Elvis was. Mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a really w- wonderful take on that. And all my love to Bill Nye, you know, if he somehow wins this by some miracle, it'll be a uh, a retroactive no- uh, win for Detective Pikachu, obviously. <laughs> um, and Paul Mescal, I feel like, has been, like, sort of off to the side, like, is, like, the absolute last in terms of the odds. But he is so incredible in After Sun. I think particularly, I'll just say, the karaoke scene in After Sun is, I think, one of the most perfect displays of like the strained relationship between father and daughter I've ever seen in a movie, quite frankly. Um, but yeah, it's probably going to go to Frasier, but next up, Emily, your thoughts on best actor. Yeah. Um, again, I'm so, so pleased to see Brendan Frasier back. Um, I love him with all of my heart and 
I agree with you about The Whale. Uh, going in, I heard that it was a, a mediocre movie with a brilliant central performance. And, and I, I, I do kind of agree with that. And his performance has stayed with me. Like, I think about Brendan Fraser's performance in The Whale at least once a day at the moment. And I saw that movie like two and a half weeks ago. It was big eyes. They just conveyed so much. And I really, really do think that it's a deserved nomination and I would be very happy for him to win for a number of different layered reasons. But I, I do think that there is a good performance in there that deserves to be crowned. Um, again, though, Colin Farrell has an equally fantastic performance. It's so interesting that we get to see him in a way that I've not seen many Colin Farrell movies, but like he always seems to play I think the first thing I saw him in was was Ben Affleck's Daredevil, and then he's just kind of played a, a variation of that going forward. So it's it's really lovely to see this sensitive, uh, kind of dumb, um, sweet performance from him. But then for like five minutes near the end of the movie, he turns into the sort of more hardened Colin Farrell that we're used to seeing. And Austin Butler took the BAFTA, which shocking everyone. And I don't think it's undeserved, and I would be disappointed if he took the Oscar. I, I do feel like this is just the beginning for him. I didn't know him. And then I recently watched Aliens in the Attic, and he's really good in that. <laughs> and he's really good in Elvis. And I think that he he can be here again. And I'm not saying that Brendan Fraser can't, but I'd like it to go to, to Fraser. And Mel? Um, I also struggled with the whale um it's unconscionably voyeuristic uh the film uh without without any actual commentary on the matter uh of of, of, of just his existence um and, and i think that's what's most troubling uh about that movie um but yeah but his his performance i mean personally I think he should have gone full Christian Bale and gained the 300 pounds. Uh, but, you know, whatever. Uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's that's a terrible. That's a t- no, we don't. We don't want anyone. <laughs> Method acting is nonsense. We don't want anyone doing that to themselves. Um, Have you seen what Christian Bale looks like in Amsterdam? Like you, that will happen if you do that and keep fluctuating weight. You look like a corpse. <laughs> Oh God, he's gonna push it till it breaks. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it's I, I do I do think it's a uh, just a, a, a painful performance. Um, don't know if it's gonna go to him. If it does, I'm not gonna be mad. Uh, but I just feel like I want to I want to see him again. Definitely, like more than I want him to win for this. I just want to see him again uh, in in more new stuff going forward. Uh, Bring back the mummy. Uh, just, yes. Let's do another. Let's do another mummy movie. Um, Colin Farrell. It's it's a sin that we that we waited this long to just let Colin Farrell be Irish, <laughs> yeah, like, like, <laughs> like in in his films, like like Daredevil. Uh, and don't get me wrong, he's the only person in Daredevil who is having a good time. Uh, mm-hmm. Like if you have to watch that movie, he's the reason to watch it. Um. And then, like Minority Report, where he's just like evil corporate guy. <laughs> it's like th- those kind of thankless roles a little bit. Like he's still good in them, but but it's like he 
anytime he gets to just use his own voice, uh, like he, 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 he comes alive, uh, in, in a, in a way that, that is just always a joy to see. And he's never more fun than when he's hanging out with Brendan Gleeson. Uh, in Bruges is easily one of my favorite movies, uh, ever. Um, so, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not convinced he's going to take it either. I do. I do think it's probably going to go to Austin Butler. Uh, I, the Elvis movie does definitely play fast and loose with the facts, um, but that, again, that's just because it's it's like a, it's kind of like how I Tanya was. It's like like these are the the not quite objective like ruminations of a of a, of a potentially crazy person. Uh, are you so- saying that Baz Luhrmann isn't a filmmaker grounded in reality? <laughs> I can't believe that. <laughs> I, would, I would never i would never insinuate such a thing <laughs> but it is it is it is a remarkable performance um and boy i saw that movie under the best conditions possible uh dolby atmos and no one else was in the auditorium it was, oh wow oh it was glorious uh, i don't think i would have enjoyed it nearly as much had i been surrounded by diehard elvis fans <laughs> like in a regular just digital theater uh yeah no it was so like i don't know if that's a factor maybe, maybe that's more of a, a question about sound design but uh yeah yeah just just glorious work from him but i agree with you emily i think he'll be back uh if, if he mm. doesn't for this the, the guy's got a bright future ahead of him bill nye great turn from bill nye uh in living i love that movie but um i think i was a bigger fan of that that movie for its cinematography than i was for his performance which is kind of a weird thing to say uh not just not to say he's bad in it at all like i, I think he's great um but yeah you know, that one that one doesn't really stick uh with me i want to think about paul mescal uh because it, again again you're you're hitting me where i live uh this is this is kids and their parents who are are kind of at odds not quite on the same page and i feel like I feel like After Sun uh, in his performance, that's a movie where very little is said, but everything is there in his performance. All the information you need is in his performance, uh, but not necessarily in words, which is a feat. Yeah, that's another one where I fucking cried. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I can't, I can't, I can't be in public. (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, now let's go ahead and uh, head on into best actress. So our nominees here are Kate Blanchett for Tar, uh, Anna de Armas for Blonde, uh, Andrea Riseborough for Two Leslie, Michelle Williams in The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Emily, you're starting us off. I have shot myself in the foot here, and I've only seen two of these performances, which I'm super mad at myself for. I know the Andrea Riseborough debacle, like she wasn't nominated, and then she was nominated. Um, interesting. Uh, I have heard things about Blonde, and I'm very excited for other people to get into it, to hear them more. You know when um, certain actors just, like, they just rub you up the wrong way and they've done nothing wrong and they've been perfectly fine and they're fine there's i i like i'm sorry michelle williams i, I don't know what it is i just don't like you i i literally cannot tell you why i just i just i'm like ew every time i see it anywhere i'm like ew like, ugh. since since my week with marilyn 
through The Greatest Showman, through Wizard of Oz. Just ugh, stop, go away. I don't know why. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, Michelle. You've done nothing wrong. Well, sorry to Michelle, who clearly listens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Michelle, I, I can only apologize. It's so hard. Kate took the BAFTA. Michelle's taken everything else. I I need it to go to the Michelle Yo for so many reasons, and she fully deserves it. But you you can't deny that Kate Blanchett doesn't put in a phenomenal performance as Lydia Tarr. Like it's astounding, the nuanced, and I just love getting a villain, like a mm-hmm. woman villain, um, just a piece of shit person, but she's like a girl. Um, I love, I love that so much. And she's so good. And she she did such an eloquent speech when she accepted her BAFTA, which she hadn't prepared for because she fully didn't expect to win, which is mad. Mm. Um, so she's a quick blanchet. Come on, at least come with something prepared. But she didn't need to because she was completely so eloquent. And she talked about how, like, this heart broke her and it it took her away from her family and, you know, real sort of Daniel Day-Lewis stuff but without being a dick about it. Um, <laughs> but like, Michelle Yeoh has been excellent in everything I've ever seen her in. So if anything, and like we talked about Jamie Lee Curtis getting a career award, like this, she deserves this for her performance as Evelyn Wang and as a career award because she's just incredible and I love her so much. And again, I need... I need her acceptance speech in my life at the Oscars. So it's it's got to go to Michelle Yeoh. All right. Well, Mel. I will mirror your your sentiments, uh, Emily, uh, about Michelle Yeoh. Uh, Michelle Yeoh has been in these streets for the 40 years. <laughs> uh, she has been a dynamo for forever. Uh and she and she she kills it. She kills it in everything she's ever been in. Like she gives she gives a hundred and ten percent in everything. It's weird to me. Like I've never seen her phone something in. Um, I feel like tomorrow never dies, which was a great place to phone in a performance. Like even <laughs> like she even goes like unnecessarily hard in that. I love I love her in this, and she just it's just the fact that she has the the added weight of having to portray. Just so many aspects, uh, uh, like like of that character. I, I want her to win. I want I want everything, everywhere, all at once to win everything. I just like, I want it to be a shutout. I just I don't I don't want anyone else. Let this be the year the Asians rule the Oscars, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then and then next year we can get back to you know all white all the time. I <laughs> just whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just I, I I loved her. I loved her too much. Um, Michelle Williams, I, I I enjoy that performance. I don't I I go I don't have the problem with her that that you do, Emily. Uh, I, I I think it's funny that she goes on that list with Jesse Buckley now because I, I remember from last year that you are not a you are not a Jesse Buckley stand. Um, yeah, there's always one. <laughs> <laughs> just keeping a list. I did I did like her quite a bit. Uh, in the Fablemans, uh, I just I don't think it's gonna go to her. Uh, to Leslie, I did not see. That's that's and I and I kick myself. It just it, it was never it was never here. It was never near me. And I think the closest I could get was it's just like if you want to spend twenty dollars on it, you can get it on demand. And I'm just like I don't really want to do that. Uh, so I, I missed it. So I can, I, I have nothing to say about Andrew Rasper or or the controversy. Uh, Anna the Armas. Bless her heart. 
but fuck that movie. Uh, Blonde is the worst thing I've seen in in a little while. Like it's it's really terrible, and I feel really bad for her for having to be in it. Uh, I think she she did what she could. She did the best she could with it, but it's just such a hateful, spiteful movie that literally just borders on fetishism. Like I just I I just feel like that's just the director uh, at that point trying to get his rocks off. Uh, it's it's just it's that hateful of a film. Maybe she should win just for tolerating that schlock. But nothing's going to go to Kate Blanchett. Uh, I honestly I yeah Lydia Tarr awesome. Just uh, just a just a fantastic performance, a fantastic villain. She she's controversial, but she's also like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, when you, you she's hypocritical. That's the that's the word. Um, like she'll she'll turn on a dime if the conversation's not going her way. Uh, she's manipulative and, and selfish, and and that oh, and, and God, and she just embodies all of it. Yes, uh, yes, a stellar turn from her. So if if not Michelle Yeoh, who I definitely want, Kate Blanchett, most likely. Yeah, um, the main reason I rescued this little audio recording, uh, quite frankly, was because I didn't want to watch Blonde for nothing. Um, <laughs> like, I was just like, I'm not going to fucking watch all three hours of that bullshit for nothing, yeah. quite frankly. Because it's like, I completely agree with you about Blonde is like this movie that I'd heard all the controversies back in October and I didn't watch it. And then all it got nominated. I'm like, fuck, I have to like sit through this. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm I'm on an open mind. Like the few positive things I've heard compared it to like David Lynch, like with like uh, Twin Peaks Firewalk with me and stuff like that. And I think the problem with Blonde is that while like say in comparison to, like a Twin Peaks Firewalk with me, that's a movie where like you get to actually know the person who's yes. going through all this turmoil and you feel like that empathy. So it becomes like a true tragedy, as opposed to. And Armas, as much as like I agree with you, I think she does the best with what she can um, with that material. She is treated as just such a prop for Andrew Dominic to do all his weird, dumb, like different aspect ratios and color changes and stuff, uh. which is so fucking like abysmal to me. Like, what the fuck are we doing? What is this bullshit? It looks pretty, but at the same time, it's ugly and awful for what it's doing. Especially, And Armas at least deserves this nomination as a compensation for having to deal with that JFK scene. Oh, fuck that scene. It's one of the worst scenes I've seen in a movie in quite a while. And it's just full of, like, very amateurish, like, weird, like, almost, like, double entendre, like, Austin Powers bullshit. At the same time, it's doing something so horrible and demeaning to her as a person. Um, I'm I'm just glad that Emily didn't have to sit through that. <laughs> I'm, I'm really um, glad. Emily, yeah, you, you, you made the right choice. Through. I kept weighing it up. I was like, oh, she's up for Best Actress. I got it. I feel like I should watch it, but it's three hours and I've not had a single person say anything nice about it. Yeah, uh, you're, you you came out in the clear. I will say, I did see two Leslie um, and all the controversy. If you're unaware out there, like basically, it was this whole controversy, but like she was a surprise nomination. The distributors for um, two Leslie had shown it to a bunch of like famous people who had tweeted out about it and used their social media platforms like Edward Norton, Gwyneth Paltrow, and even Francis Fisher. Uh, the mom from Titanic, which was like the one who got the most controversy because she's like, you could vote for the obvious ones, but let's vote for this one, which is like very against Academy rules. Mm. But uh, Andrea Riceboro didn't do that. And I think she's sort of innocent. It feels more just like a don't hate the player, hate the game kind of thing mm. for mm. me with all that controversy. Um, and as it stands, 
it's a good performance. I would say and Andrea Riseborough, I think is a tremendous actress in general. Um, she's usually like a very much a chameleon kind of actress with stuff like Possessor, Death of Stalin, stuff like that. She's a very good underrated actress. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know if I would have nominated her for this necessarily because it's a very typical kind of, this feels the most kind of like Oscar baity drama to me of these because it's like she's a woman who wins the lottery at a certain point and leaves her small town but she drinks it all away and then goes back to her small town. Kind of like very typical sort of like Oscar drama stuff. Bill Billy Elegy of this year. <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't go that far. There's no Terminator <laughs> monologue has to deliver. Not quite that far, but um, it's it's very well performed. Honestly, the weird thing is, if anyone was going to get nominated for that movie, I would have said Mark Maron, who plays like the guy who like gives her a job at his motel. He's a tremendous in that movie. Much better actor than people give him credit for in general. Um, but as it stands, I think with all that controversy, it, to Leslie, it's fine. You know, if anything else, I hope this just gets Andrea Riseborough more work after this because she deserves to continue disappearing into roles mm. as things go along. I like Michelle Williams in general, and I think especially this performance, I guess, has a bit of the bias in that, like, young Thomas's, like, origin story is watching the Steven Spielberg biography episode over and over again on VHS. <laughs> and it's a tremendously accurate performance of Steven Spielberg's mom who has, like, a very similar kind of, like, heightened, over-the-top sort of performance that, at the same time, like, feels very genuine. Um, and I think she's pretty solid in it. But I agree that Blanchett and Yo seem to be, like, the front runners. I'd be happy with either of them. Uh, you know, Blanchett, I think, the only knock I would have against her is just, like, she's won so many awards. She's even said as much. Just, like, I don't know. I keep winning things. Yeah, she's <laughs> getting a bit streepish. Yeah. Right, yes, like bordering on that. But at the same time, I think she's still very tremendous in Tar, if nothing else for the fact that, once again, all the weird mixes of, like, horror and comedy and drama in that movie, like, the bit at the Juilliard scene in general, I think, is, like, mm -hmm. such a masterclass scene for the cinematography and the mm -hmm. acting. Like, the bit where she's like, what about uh, Mozart? Ever heard of him? Like, that weird 20s thing that she does. <laughs> and that, like, is my, one of my favorite deliveries of the year in general. She's trying to spill up Marlowe character. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> like, you're going back into Catherine Hepburn a bit. You already won an Oscar for that. <laughs> but, um, um, but I will say, yeah, between uh, the two of them, I think it will go to Blanchett. But in my heart, I would want Yao. Like, I think she has done so much great stuff. I think I, I rewatched Crouching Tiger in the theater when they briefly re-released it recently. Uh, uh. And you forget just like, oh, my God, she's so tremendous in this movie. And even mm -hmm. like some of the earlier action movies, like Police Story, baby. Yes. She's the, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stuff. Or uh, she's the best part of Tomorrow Never Dies. Yes. Also, she, it, would, it would be a great example of like another one where it's like she had such a tremendous career, but also with this movie, she said as much like she loved the fact that she got to do not just an action role, not just like sort of an elder stateswoman role like she did like say in Shang-Chi. Mm -hmm. That I think has been her most of her American career. She's like, I come in for like a couple scenes and I have authority. I'm not going to do much as opposed to she plays so many different sides of this character and she's so tremendous in it. My heart goes to Yo, but probably Blanchett. Either one wouldn't be against it. But now, best director, we've got Martin McDonough for Banshees of Inishirin. The Daniels, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert for Everything Everywhere All At Once, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Ostland for Triangle of Sadness. Mel, start us off. Whenever I saw Tar, I uh, as soon as it ends, and boy, what an ending! Uh, I I was like, that's that's got a real shot at best picture and best director. Yeah, there there's there's masterful work going on uh, in uh, in that. And I love what you said. Like it's it's like part horror movie too at times because like there are moments when they're just like 
shadowy figures lurking like in the background uh just out of focus uh and, and that kind of stuff is amazing um uh the the juilliard scene unbelievable it's it's it, it really it really is just top tier work um but i i'm 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 going i'm going with eao uh just just because they effectively directed like 12 films <laughs> and, and <not laughs> just one uh so I, I i think you have to give it up for them that film had to have been just a, a daunting undertaking. All filmmaking is daunting, but but this trying to keep everything in line and have it just cohere that that well, that fluidly. Yeah, you're not there's nothing about everything everywhere all at once that doesn't work. There's nothing about it that falls short. Uh mm -hmm. I, it, yeah, it's it just it gets the job done. Um, I I nah, I would not give it to Triangle of Sadness. Uh, I like Triangle of Sadness. I didn't love it. Uh, I, I I feel like it's my don't look up <laughs> this year <laughs> for, for you, Thomas. Last year, uh, I just I don't I don't think it's as clever as it thinks it is, and and that kind of shows in the execution. I think there there are moments when the, the execution just feels oh god i hate to say it all it, it feels almost childish uh and and that's and that's a shame uh i mean it's a better movie than i could have made certainly but but whatever um banshee's in a uh i love martin mcdonough i will watch anything that has martin mcdonough's name on it uh and uh and and i and i, and I thought for a weird kind of slightly askew fairy tale uh i i i i thought I thought this was really like wonderfully helmed. Uh like like it all works too uh for for me. Uh I just I love the fable bits. I I I really did, but I think Spielberg like like uh, I I think he's he's yeah, he, whether inadvertently or not, he's saying something about the it's it's like the power of propaganda because he makes that film at the end uh, for the high school. And it's just like, oh, you have the power to not tell lies necessarily, but to to shape people's perceptions of what's actually happening. Uh, and, and I kind of I kind of wish the movie had been more about that. Uh, but that's that's stupid of me to to be like the Fablemans isn't the movie I would have made. That's silly. Uh, so, no. Um, the Daniels, uh, I want the Daniels to win this for EEAO. And if not the Daniels, then Todd Field for Tar. Uh, yeah, I would say um, I agree with a lot of what you said here. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll at least stick up with Spielberg in terms of, I think it's addressing a lot of that stuff in terms of like what his power of making movies, like he's so tremendous at it that at the same time, it is like I said, it's like that weird dark magic thing which is like this is kind of a curse mm -hmm. in that i make people feel very weirdly about themselves that whole scene with the like him encountering the bully is yeah. like one of the best scenes of the year for me yes Those two actors like bouncing off of each other i think it's tremendous and i think the best scene in that movie spoilers is um the bit where like the big uh argument is going on with the sisters and uh the parents during the like where they're announced they're getting a divorce and spielberg sort of gets sees uh the himself filming it I think it's one of the most, like, naked, emotional, honest portrayals of, like, I mean, I'm good at this, but also, like, it fucked me up, 
and it's really upsetting that I can only see things through this lens. <laughs> it's really, it's like, it's a weird confession letter where it's like, for the first time ever in my life of like loving Steven Spielberg so much, I'm like, are you okay, man? Like, <laughs> do you need a minute? <laughs> like even, <laughs> it's it's so, it's a very naked, honest, and emotional thing that I never would have expected Spielberg to really do about his own life, but I think it's tremendously done. I agree with like, um, Field is like so awesome with Tar. If nothing else for like the contrast between like the Juilliard scene and that one scene where she goes to the apartment <gasps> and is fully just like a horror movie. <laughs> um, and like, and you feel like so many of those range of emotions, especially given like the movie is very much like experiencing the personal bubble of someone who was not aware of the world around them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a tremendous way of like getting you in that perspective that heavily relies on Blanchett's performance, but also the direction does such a great job with that of someone who just does not comprehend what the world is. And if nothing else, one of the best final shots in the movie I've ever seen. Oh, like so oh fucking adored. insane. <laughs> just like, this is how this movie ends? <laughs> what? <laughs> does anyone know so, what the, the game is, uh, that, that they're performing music for? Uh, my, I, I'm told it's Monster Hunter, but I've never played. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I did not know what it was, and I was just for like that ending. I'm just like, wait, what? What's which convention is this? Is she at Dragon Con promoting yeah. this like big <laughs> musical performance? Um, but but no, um, really well done. I agree with you. I think uh, um, Triangle of Sadness is like the lower on here. I I like Oslin because I believe he's also the guy who did uh, Force Majeure. That's right, and stuff like that. Which I think he's that's a tremendous movie. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of like has been his height. And post that, it feels like, okay, you're kind of cycling into that same, I'm commenting on real things. Like, there was that whole thing where he announced, like, my next movie is going to have five straight minutes of a kid asking for an iPad. You have to experience that. I'm like, Ruben, dude, we get it. (laughs) We get it. Um... And then, um, I mean, with McDonough and Banshees, I think it's interesting, especially because, like, I really loved In Bruges, but I've been a kind of hot or cold in, like, Seven Psychopaths and uh, Three Billboards mm-hmm. uh, with, like, what he's kind of been doing there. But I think this is a tremendous return to form. And everything else, like, really makes me want to go to that little small town in Ireland that doesn't exist on that <laughs> island. It just feels like, even though this place does not exist technically, I'm just like, I want to go to there for a bit. I want to live here. Everyone seems miserable if they live yeah. here, but I'll visit. <laughs> I'll go to that pub for a bit and see Colin Farrell deliver a devastating monologue, but then I'll leave and I'll go somewhere else. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think the Daniels are probably going to win of the odds-on favorites. I'd be on board for nothing else. Like, it, finally, we're giving recognition to the guys who did the turn down for what music video? Finally. And it They're shows. The best director. <laughs> yes, because I've been a fan of them ever since uh, their previous movie, um, The Swiss Army Man. Yes. Which is just a weird, interesting movie that I think was just like, oh, this is, I want to see them keep progressing forward. And I love that with their second collaboration, they're already just like, yep, we're going with such an interesting, weird thing that back in April when I saw this, I'm like, oh, this is going to get completely forgotten by the Oscars. And nope, it's been very celebrated. And I'm very happy to see it. So I think they're going to win. Very deserved. Emily, I'm sorry, I went on for a, we went on for a while. Anything you have no, to say about the directors? That's, that's fine. Uh, I'm going to do my best, Natalie Portman. Here are all the male nominees. Um, True. That's all I'll say about that. (laughs) Bummer. Um, However, yeah, they're all good, I guess. And (laughs) 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 I I, I agree with you. I left Tar, as I said, and I was just, I was blown away. If Tar took it, I wouldn't be mad because 
I don't think I've seen many Todd Fields. I don't think he's done many movies, but... He's only done two movies prior to this, and the last one was 15 years ago. <laughs> crazy. It's cra- It's like um, Power of the Dog all over again. But yeah. yeah, like I was like, wow, that's how you direct a movie. Like That movie has been directed. Like Direction is always something that I take for granted, but I really noticed it. And it wasn't like slapping me over the head, but I was just like, wow, that movie has been directed. Having the just the management that the Daniels had to have, as you said, to cover the like twenty seven movies that are in everything everywhere all at once. Then again, um, fantastic. I, I love Martin McDonough because I just love that he's like I'm in a script. I got my best friends in the main roles, and I'm gonna direct it. Let's go. And you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. <laughs> like, well done. Keep doing you. Um, you'll always <laughs> be here, so you're fine. Like. I wouldn't be mad if any of those three got it. I've not seen Triangle of Sadness. I, I have nothing against Spielberg. Again, it's like when you go to a restaurant and you're like, oh, I kind of want to try something new, though. Mm. Like, I know what Spielberg tastes like. I have I have Spielberg all the time. I order Spielberg at home all the time. My mom makes Spielberg all the time. We have Spielberg at home. <laughs> we have Spielberg at home. <laughs> it's J.J. Like... Abrams is what you have at home. <laughs> <laughs> like... So I, I would like everything everywhere all at once to take it. Obviously, as as you said, I, w- I want them to sweep up. Yeah, so nothing else. If Todd Field wins, finally it'd be an Oscar for one of the various meteorologists in Twister. <laughs> <laughs> Back during his acting days, yes. But now it's the big award, everybody. Best picture. We got All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. Um, I'm starting off here, and I'll at least save that, um, you know, the ones we've already, I've talked about to some degree in this, so I'll just go to the ones I haven't really had a chance to talk about. Uh, you know, I get anybody having issues with Avatar The Way of Water. I wasn't a huge fan of the first movie, so I was kind of dreading, like, I don't know, it's a James Cameron movie. I'll see how this goes. And I was surprised by how much I enjoyed The Way of Water, if nothing else, because it's a weirder movie than the first Avatar. Oh, I think yeah. it's, it's a much more bizarre sci-fi like thing where it's just like, okay, I established everything in the first Avatar. Now we're going to do weird shit like Sigourney Weaver is Navi Jesus. <laughs> as a teenager. <laughs> Great. That's weird. I'm down for it, James. And I thought I was much more invested in that. He made Sam Worthington a good actor, finally. Yes. <laughs> Stunning to me. I never would have expected that. Bound to happen um, eventually. <laughs> it, you know, s- several tries. You couldn't do it with me on a ledge, but eventually you got there. Um... <laughs> I'm not against necessarily being in this category. I wish maybe even Cameron would have gotten a director nomination over some of the other people. Um, but at the same time, Ruben in particular, or, you know, Sarah Pauly for women talking, just somebody else besides Ruben. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, all these I've talked about to some degree. I think Top Gun Maverick is definitely one of the ones where it's like, this is here because you saved cinema, basically. Congrats. <laughs> thank you. We really appreciate you having people go to the theater in droves for months. I don't think it's unwarranted necessarily. Like I said, got really into the into the danger zone as it were that one um and uh all quiet i'll i'll i kind of said this earlier but all quiet feels like kind of the lower bar for me of these in terms of like i appreciate what it's doing i've just i've seen so many of these world war one movies like i preferred like a 1917 or some of this other stuff and the big thing compared especially to the original which won best picture back in like 1930 that's right or yeah. whatever is i felt much more emotionally invested i think in the various different um 
soldiers we follow throughout that movie, mm-hmm. even though it's much more blunt in its 30s era, it feels at the same time so much more kind of investing to me, especially about, like, the missing part of, like, that guy returning home and being completely alienated from everybody. Yeah. And then coming back to the war. I think that's a crucial mistake. Yes. To remove that particular scene. Agreed. 100%. That keeps you emotionally invested. And also, all the shit with, like, Daniel Bruhl. I get why that's there. But at the same time, that feels the most just like, why are we taken out of, like, this very immersive emotional experience with these soldiers, necessarily? Um, But at the same time, very well-crafted. I would prefer, if anything, it seems like everything ever all at once is obviously going to sweep this. A lot of people are saying that I would not be against it all. That was my favorite movie of last year. I know some people are kind of like there's that backlash because people are very pronounced about how much they love everything everywhere all at once. (laughs) But it's hard to deny it's such an amazing, like weird, fun movie that it's weird that it's kind of like the odds on favorite, no doubt about it (laughs) kind of one. But uh, yeah, I'm totally down for it winning and it probably will. So those are my thoughts. Now, Emily. Yeah, uh, everything all at once hopefully will win it, and I think that's really good. You're you're absolutely right. We're starting to see like thing popular, so then people are like thing bad actually, and you're like shut the <laughs> fuck up. This isn't 2008. Um, <laughs> I was surprised, having never seen the first one. I was, I don't know. I was ready for it by the time I got around to Top Gun Maverick. I've never seen the first one. Never felt any desire to. It's one of those movies that everyone's like, you've not seen Top Gun, and I'm like, no, because. My favorite film is Ragnarok. So no, I've not seen Hot Gun. Like I cannot think of anything worse. Tom Cruise to me is legend Tom Cruise. We're yeah. in the forest <laughs> with the fairies. So that's where he peaked. So I didn't watch the first one. I just went straight in with the second one. And it won me over. It like did what I wanted it to do. Uh, where it was like, hey, we're a movie. And I like had a beer. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm watching a movie. And like, it was fine. <laughs> it was a massive, massive waste of Jennifer Connolly. But like, whatever. Did it pass the Bechdel test? Almost definitely not. Doesn't need to. It's fine. It's Top Gun Maverick. And it's like, and it's safe cinema. So I'm, I'm happy that it's here. I'm less happy that Avatar's here. I'm just like, fuck off. I don't know why I'm so <laughs> mad about it. Like... And and the, the truth is, like, I genuinely don't think I actually do have an opinion. Like, it's so, you know, in Scrubs, where Jane D is like, Jordan, do you hate me? And she's like, I don't hate you. I nothing you. It's like, I nothing Avatar, really. <laughs> I watched the first one and I was like, yep, that happened. That was now my dad's favorite movie. We're going to have to watch it like once a year. A sequel comes out. And you're right. They did some more interesting stuff. Although so many times in the movie, I was like, and I think she sat at the back of the cinema and said out loud, like, Really? 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 Like, it was long, it was long, and it was boring, and it was was so long, and I was like, please don't assume that I'm going to come back for your seven sequels. Can you just tell me the deal with Sigourney Weaver's character, like, now? Because I'm going to fucking forget by the time the next one comes out, and I don't give a shit, and I'm just mad that you've set something up and not told me the answer, and, like, I'm mad about that now. Uh, but it's it's fine. I don't think it should be here. I think I've said about everything else. Uh, I don't think women talking will take best picture. I'm kind of surprised that it's here and it feels a little, feels a little bit like someone's gone. Well, shit. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, women. Yeah, we'll put that. Yeah, we'll put that in there because like women, I guess. I, I hope everything everywhere all at once takes it. So that was very rambly. 
No worries. And just a brief aside, um, a, a thing about Top Gun Maverick. I saw that with my younger sister, who said she had seen the original Top Gun. And then as we were leaving Top Gun Maverick, she's like, I love that. But it was weird because, like, I thought the first one took place, like, in World War Two, and, like, Ben Affleck was in them. And she had confused it with Pearl Harbor for some reason. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> The power of cinema that she had not had actually seen Top Gun, but still was immersed in. Not even, I'm not a huge fan of the first Top Gun, but I was surprised by how much I liked Maverick. But, mm-hmm. Mel, final thoughts. You're uh, the last one. Man, Bring okay. it on home. Here, here we go. Here we go. Another uh, one strikes. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree with, with Emily on Women Talking. Uh, it, it's not a bad movie at all. It's, it's a good movie. It, but this does feel like a... Oh God! Oh, I feel like shit saying it. Like a like a pity nomination. That's terrible. Mm. That's terrible to say that. That's uh, because it deserves the accolades it's getting. But I just it just it does feel like the odd one out uh, a little bit. I would put women talking in here before Triangle of Sadness. Uh, actually, I just I, I yeah, I'm all for eating the rich too. Uh, but I <laughs> I just I think I'm a I'm a little. I'm a little troubled by the some of the messaging in Triangle of Sadness. Uh, kind of like, well, if, uh, if poor people got their hands on a little power, mm, they they do some fucked up stuff too. I don't know if I'm on that page uh, necessarily. I mean, power corrupts uh, absolutely, uh, as they say. But I I, I don't know. It, Tom Gun Maverick. Okay, I hate the first Tom Gun. I will be perfectly honest with you. I think it's 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 from an era when a lot of your protagonists are just kind of assholes. Uh, but the movie frames them like, yeah, they're they're rogues and loose cannons, but but we want you to love them, and they're like not accountable uh, at all, and they're just they exhibit like these just kind of awful attitudes and behaviors but it's the 80s uh we we cheer for that that kind of mentality um so yeah no the first the first top gun does not work for me but this one it was what i hoped it would be i i hoped i would see a, an evolved maverick who kind of looks back on on like on how he was and 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 just kind of like sees that that he he has grown um also, for Top Gun Maverick, I'll simply say, I, I'm not, I, I wouldn't give it best picture, but it did kill COVID. So good job, kudos, Top Maverick, <laughs> Top Gun Maverick for defeating COVID. That's the unspecified enemy during Top Gun that they don't <laughs> right. say. Who it is. It's, just like, it's actually COVID that they're killing. <laughs> exactly. Um, that did bother me, the fact that we just like, nobody had the spine to declare a villain uh, we, we just we don't want to make anyone mad because we want this to be able to play in every market on Earth. We want this to be able to play in Antarctica. Like it's beat for beat, act for act. It's just all setups and payoffs. Everything comes full circle. You know the moment you see the satellite footage of the F-14 on the enemy base, you're like, he's gonna get in that. <laughs> uh, it's like it goes everywhere you think it's going to go, but you don't feel cheated uh, for it being that telegraphed. Tar, if everything everywhere all at once does not win, uh, I do want it to be Tar. Uh, I just, I love Tar so much. And that, that that last shot, that last shot is just so, so strong. 
Uh, like if you had any doubts up until that point, that last shot just really drives the nail into the coffin. Uh, Fablemans, uh, I did love. Uh, but yeah, Spielberg's got enough awards. So it's like, it's, it's, it's <laughs> uh, personal as it is. And I, and I, and I do love that. I do love that he was, cause like, wasn't the idea, he's like, I, I've all, I've wanted to make this movie for a while, but I had to wait until like my parents were dead or something along those lines. It would make sense given what he reveals about apparently what happened with his parents and everything. Certainly, certainly. So yeah, for something that personal, I mean, that's, that's what Quentin Tarantino always said. He was like, a. a when you're making a film, it should be so personal that you feel almost embarrassed to share it. It's it's brave uh, in a fashion to to kind of put all this kind of garbage like like on display for the world to see. This kind of like family garbage. Elvis not going to take it. Uh, Banshee's in a Sheeran. I don't I don't think that's going to take it. I did love it, and it's the kind of movie that like. Uh, like I liked it the first time, and the more I thought about it, the more I liked it. Uh, and mm. it's, and it's just been like it's steadily been creeping up the list, supplanting other things that were higher up uh, uh, for me. It, it's like allegorical uh, in a in a sense because of the troubles uh, that were going on, and they're like 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 Brendan Gleeson and uh, Colin Farrell are having like a small version of that, like they're having their own like intimate version of the troubles uh it's 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 very it's very cool uh in that regard and yeah I, and I, I just love watching it avatar okay i i didn't love the first one james horner is sorely missed uh in this one for for the score let's be honest avatar the way of water is basically a 400 million dollar screensaver i uh it is easily the most gorgeous movie I've seen. Uh, you know, like it's so beautiful, and and I, I think the people at Marvel should really just be like, we should be we should be trying to do this. Like, our, we should be trying to make our stuff look like this. Can we can we loosen our stranglehold on the special effects industry? Can we give them more time and more money? Uh, and be less unreasonable about our demands in an effort to make more of our stuff look this good. There are moments in Avatar The Way of Water where I just don't know how they did that. Like, I like I can't, I, like, I'm just like, is that real? Is that a thing? Like, or is that a model? Or is that a, like, what is this? I, I don't know what's going on in that movie. It, I don't know. I mean, it looks so beautiful, but I was just missing that MCU brown goop aesthetic. That's what we <laughs> all want in cinema. <laughs> It's not nearly gray enough for me. <laughs> um, and the variable frame rate uh, in Avatar was weird. Uh, like there were, because there were moments when I'm just like, oh man, this is so beautiful. Oh shit, Xbox One footage. Uh, it, like it, it, yeah. it, my my brain like has to shift gears uh, whenever whenever it does that. And it, and it took me out of it a little bit. Like I think the, I think the action is stellar. Uh, it, it looks fantastic, but that's that's really about it. It only has like two scenes where I'm where I'm really kind of like moved uh, by what's happening on screen, and it's it's the moment when like the whales come back 
to uh to to the navi and and like and you find out that each one of them has like a personal relationship with an individual whale like like the one uh navi is just like i met a boy and i, I thought and like i thought that was really sweet i thought that was like genuinely sweet i thought genuinely sincere and as horrible as that scene is the scene where like like the the villains like they kill the thing they kill this giant beautiful creature to extract like a tablespoon of this bullshit that they're gonna sell, uh, and like, and and I thought that was a powerful visual, but that does not a movie make. Uh, so yeah, and uh, like we got that in Fern Gully back in like ninety four. Right. So. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know. Counterpoint: the whale gets its vengeance by getting a guy's arm cut off. That movie. Oh yeah, that was great. I, I fucking love that shit. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. When their when their chickens, their proverbial chickens, come home to roost, it's glorious. <laughs> old motherfucking attack. Free Willy is going the heart on your asses. <laughs> um, and uh, and I'll end on all quiet on the Western Front because I uh, I agree with you, uh, Thomas. The scene when when Bomer comes back to his old classroom. We're like, you know, the, the movie opens in that classroom where mm. where their teacher, who is just a psychotic, uh, is like, <laughs> you have to go out and die for your country. Dying for your country is the greatest thing you could ever do. Die for the fatherland. It's you know, it's honorable and, and you'll be a hero and women will love you and all that. But Paul Bomer comes back at the end of the movie uh, to the classroom and he's like, absolutely not. War is shit. Do not go. And in the film, the kids who are indoctrinated, they like blast him. Like they call him a coward uh, for feeling that way. Uh, and that scene is not in the new one. And I'm just like, that's the thesis of the film. How is it not in here? Um, yeah, that's mad. It is. I, I, I do think that the remake is very good. But yeah, I mean, like, like the original, it was... It was 1930. The original is is blunt and overt, and it's it's like it's like two shades removed from vaudeville almost. Like it's like the 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 acting is so over the top, um, uh, and it, it just wears it all on its sleeve. Uh, but there are things the original does better. the The scene where he gets trapped in the crater with the French soldier yes. uh, mm. that is better in the original uh to me because the guy dies in a weird position with almost like a like a almost grin on his face so it's very disturbing uh because he's just talking to this like almost kind of mannequin of a person i think the most interesting thing about it though uh is that uh and a friend of mine brought this up and i thought it was fascinating uh the 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 original all quiet was made before world war ii Whereas yeah. this one has the, it has the benefit of hindsight. It knows there's another war coming. Uh, and this Daniel Bruhl being in that movie, he's in it for one scene to deliver one line. And it's when they're signing the accord, uh, the peace treaty uh, at the end with the French. Uh, and he says, he says, be kind to your opponent or this peace will be hated. Uh I feel like that's the only reason why all that stuff with Daniel Brule is in there. Well, especially when you consider like the the actual guy he's playing was later assassinated by like a weird far right group, and, like right before World War mm. One. So, yeah, yeah. There, it's it's 
it's inter that that context having that context is interesting um I, I'm really I'm impressed by the filmmaking in it though because when you when you see like the behind the scenes stuff in the film you're looking at like this massive battlefield uh, and just just the shit's going on in every corner of the screen but then you see how it's made and it's like we're in a parking lot <laughs> filming this uh, it's it's such the the marriage of the the CGI elements uh, is 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 really very good. Um, but yeah, I also think the original just has the it's a quieter death uh, in the in a in a in a sadder death in the original. Much more quiet on the Western Front. Is <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and I yeah, and I, and I prefer that ending. Uh, this this one they make such a to do about about it, which I think is is opposed thematically opposed to to what the, the original was saying in that moment. Because the original was just like, yeah, it's all for nothing. This one makes, it makes like a hero moment out of it almost. It's still, it's still an exercise in futility, uh, but it, it, it makes a, it makes a louder moment out of it than the original does. And I think the quieter moment is stronger. Um, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if, if all quiet on the Western front wins, truth be told. I, I think if anything, it will win for international uh, feature. Mm. Um, which we didn't talk about those, uh, but that uh, maybe we'll do a, a supplemental material episode. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> the bonus features for this episode, yeah. <laughs> all for commentary on our commentary. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but my my money is still on everything, everywhere, all at once. If not that tar, um, and if not either of those, maybe all quiet. On that note, everybody. Thank you all for listening. Uh, the Oscars will be coming up this coming Sunday, so you'll be able to hear how accurate or not our predictions were. Uh, but before we get out of here, I got to thank my two guests, Emily, Mel. Thank you so much. Go ahead and uh, plug yourself. Where can people find you? Emily, go ahead. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun as always. Uh, Why This Film Podcast looks back on the movies of your childhood. If you just type that into Google, you'll find us. And we are also still working our way through In a Barbie World, where we're doing everything in the BCU, the Barbie Cinematic Universe. Yes, and Mel? Thank you, Thomas and Emily. Uh, I love doing these. It's always such a pleasure to talk to you guys and hear your thoughts and opinions. Uh, you two are like, formidably more <laughs> educated than I am on a lot of this stuff. So it's always it's always good to, to get your input. Um, you can find me uh, on YouTube at Tangent1985, where we haven't uploaded a video in some time, but there's still plenty of stuff there you can watch. That's good. Uh, and I am also a freelance screenwriter, so you can find me on Twitter uh, at Tangent1985 as well. Uh, if you've got a project you want to get made, uh, an idea you want to get written, reach out to me and we will work together to get that done. Yes, and obviously, you know where I am. You know me if you listen to this feed and not the Who's Tommy most places. And I just want to do one more plug for uh, on the Patreon, patreon.com slash gedbpod. Recently, uh, Adam and I did our own awards called The Dubs dumbest name possible for an award show we wanted to come up with and uh, you can listen to us including on uh, we had 10 different categories 110 nominees out of all those only 31 of them line up with the oscars so if you want to hear us uh, honor some underrated folks uh, you can just become a patron for the one dollar and hear us as like a counter to the oscars of sorts uh but we're gonna head out of here and just one more shout out though 
as we're getting out of here. Um, we couldn't have done this without Rafe Telsh. Rafe, we're bummed we couldn't have you on. Hopefully we can do this again on your actual show next year. But until then, everybody, see you at Hollywood's Biggest Night.